everyone, welcome to the podcast. Um, week four of the NBA season is has finished. Yeah, it's been four weeks. Is that right? Four, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of in the grind of the season. Yeah, we're kind of in that weird place um, before the end of the year to where everybody's kind of settled in. We kind of know or at least have a good idea of what teams are, but... Um, we're not really close enough to the all-star break to start speculating that much about all-stars. I mean, you can, can a little bit, but it's just like you got guys who are getting injured or coming back from injuries. So there's just not enough of a sample size yet. And it's not really close enough to the trade deadline to where you can really get a feel for what teams are going to be buying and selling and what players might be available. I mean, yeah. other than the people that we already knew that. I don't know. The first part of the season just goes by. For those first two, two weeks, and you're like, you know, basketball's finally back, and you're excited, and you're watching games, and then it's just after that phase is passed, it just feels like you've already been like basketball's already been back for like months, and it's just, it's hard, it's harder and harder to watch games every night because it's just like, there's so much of it. Yeah, like it's hard to like, especially if you want to, like, learn a lot more about a player or a team, like it's you have to kind of put the time in to actually go and watch like an entire game every night and then basically because i mean just watching like the highlights from a game is like nice but then you don't really get like a a great picture if you're just watching like the highlights from two games like you kind of see oh the cool plays that are happening and who had a big night but like if you don't see the the 20 missed shots yeah like if you want to feel for how someone's performing on the whole, you kind of have to just like watch entire games mm-hmm. and more than one of them. Like it's so, you know, it's kind of, we're kind of in the, at the point where it's like, we haven't really watched enough to where we have like a really clear picture of, you know, especially for, um, we're not at a point where we have like a great picture. You know, there's some guys who have done, have had certain performances consistently to where you can kind of get an idea of maybe that they're legit if they're performing better than expected. Um, and then the teams that are performing better, you can know if whenever you, the more games that you see them produce at a similar level, then you can kind of get a better idea that that's mm-hmm. what they are for the, for this season. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that, we can go into a few players who are kind of performing different than expected. Um, one being DeMar DeRozan. I mean, I feel like everyone expected him to be one of the, one of the guys, if not the guy on the roster to carry the offense of the team. But he's been doing it at like Kobe levels of just of just lighting it up every night, scoring thirty plus points per. Like, I mean, he's I think right now he's still scoring about 32, 33 points yeah, per game. Yeah, another thirty point game last night. Yeah, he's only had one game this season so far that has not he did not score thirty points in, and um, I'm ex- I'm expecting a little bit. I'm expecting that to regress a little bit. I don't expect him to keep that up for the entire season, or yeah. even for like even for you know a long long stretches of the season. Yeah. It's just hard to, like, scoring with 30 points a game is hard. Like, you have to be, obviously, a super talented player, which I think he definitely has the talent, but, like, you have to stay healthy. You have to be playing that many minutes every night. You have to, you know, be locked in and aggressive enough and competitive enough to where you're going out and getting that many points. You have to really try to take enough shots and get to the line that much to score 30 a game. Yeah, and it makes it a lot harder when you're not a good three-point shooter like DeMar DeRozan is. I mean, yeah. he's I mean, I think he's he's averaging two two shots a game, two three-point shots a game, and considering his usage, that is a very low number. Yeah, he doesn't take that many and 
I mean, I think that's definitely still doable, like, considering, you know, that he has the volume in every other part of the game. And also, you know, if you're a high-volume three-point shooter, if you're anybody but Steph Curry, like, scoring 30 a game off of mainly three-pointers is pretty difficult because it's just hard to hit a high enough percentage to where you're consistently getting above that 30 mark. Like, a lot of the guys you see that historically have gotten there, I mean, there haven't been that many in recent history, but most of them are guys who are, like, they're good isolation scores. They're good at taking guys off the dribble and getting, you know, either getting to the rim or getting fouled. Like that's the most reliable way night in, night out of generating that many points. The guys that shoot a lot more threes traditionally, you know, they're going to be a little bit more high variance. They'll have those big scoring nights, but they'll also have nights where they're not really feeling it. And then especially if, you know, it's a point guard, they're going to be more likely to kind of defer to other guys and get other guys involved whenever they're not really hitting their shots. Um, Steph Curry kind of broke that mold last year because he just was – on fire and couldn't be stopped from anywhere but even he this season i mean he's not going to get to that 30 mark just because he's not going to be taking that many shots on a nightly basis no you'll you'll see the those those top three scoring guys in the warriors kind of just share or uh yeah share the responsibility of scoring you'll see kevin get 30 points you'll see uh steph get 30 points i think you're not going to see clay get 30 points nearly as often but yeah, yeah i mean he's um, capable of it but yeah just not gonna get yeah, the shot it's just typically the guys who do score 30 points they do have a three-point game i mean they're not maybe they're not shooting at the volume of, you know, a Steph Curry volume or a Kyle Korver yeah, type but, three-point volume. But you are seeing at least, on average, three to four attempts made per game. Yeah, like you have. And you don't really see that from DeMar. Yeah, like Kevin Durant's, you know, peak scoring years, like his MVP year and some of the ones before that, you know, he didn't take a ton of threes, but he was taking enough toward that kind of, like, upped his scoring or average. Yeah, he was hitting probably an average around two per game. Yeah, same in, thing. In with, his height of his scoring scoring yeah. runs and scoring titles. And James Harden this year would be a good example of a guy who balances. You know, he has the three the three-point shot to give him the... The extra points, and he can get a few quick buckets to. And then he gets fouled a lot. Yeah, and then he also just aggressively attacks the rim and is constantly has the ball in his hands, which is really what you know having the ball in your hands on almost every possession. That's what's really going to yeah. lead to scoring a ton. Yeah, and actually, speaking of James Harden, he's a guy who, I mean, I don't think anyone expected him to be doing like putting up this kind of like these kinds of box scores every night. Right. Um, I mean, it's, you can kind of expect it with D'Antoni's system. D'Antoni's point guards tend to get a lot of assists and even score pretty, pretty well um, because the uh, tempo of the game and the pace that they play at is a lot higher than most other offenses. Um, but still, I mean, the guy's got several, I mean, he, he had a triple double against the Spurs. I mean, they lost that game, but he had a triple double against the Spurs. Um, he's had several, 30 he's had four 30 and 15 games 30 points yeah. and 15 assist games the only guy to do that like well i read a stat that last season there were three such games all season and james harden had um has already had four this season yeah himself i mean that yeah it's, it's definitely surprising i mean in retrospect i don't know if we should have been that surprised because you know he had james had already proven that he was capable of scoring 30 a game easily um, well, it's not the 30 points, the 15 assists. The 15 that's, assists, that's that was kind of, part. you know, like uh, D'Antoni's offense, you know, especially the version he had with the Suns with Steve Nash having that great ball handler distributor. Um, yeah, and, and Steve Nash had a better, like, pick-and-roll guy yeah. to play with. He had Amari Stoudemire. He had Amari Stoudemire. I don't think James Harden has anybody near that caliber of finisher or guy, he a pick-and-roll partner. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, Clint Capella's playing, he's doing a good job yeah, at he's it. Athletic, he's athletic, Nene's, you know has traditionally been a good pick and roll guy, although he's, you know, not quite as, yeah, he's not quite as quick as he used to be. But I think one of the biggest things is that I think this Rockets team may have 
the best combination of three-point shooters of any of D'Antoni's teams that he's had, except for, I mean, maybe that, um, you know, some of his Knicks teams that had J.R. Smith and, you know, Melo's a pretty good shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, even the, if you look at the Suns, like Steve Nash is a great three-point shooter, but he didn't take quite as many just because he was in that more facilitator role, less Mm -hmm. and not you know, taking a ton of catch-and-shoot shots. And it was still kind of in that transition phase of moving yeah. out of the 90s-era offense after the uh, rules change where, you know, the big man and the, and the, and the true post-ups kind of started fading away. Yeah. And it was before the point where you had the teams like, you know, the Warriors of the last two or three years who just build their entire offense around three-point yeah. shots. Same thing with the Rockets of the last few years. The um, uh, the uh, Maury, is that, that's the GM, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, Rockets. the Maury Ball Rockets. Yeah, those, uh, those those teams that just, they build their entire offense around taking a lot of three-point shots and getting to the rim. Yeah. Um, and so, you, I mean, it makes sense that you didn't see too many, you didn't see a, a super high volume of threes from yeah. him. So Yeah, and, you know, those those D'Antoni Suns teams, like they had guys like Sean Marion, who was kind of inconsistent from three. Uh, Amari wasn't really a three-point threat at all at that point. That wasn't really his role. And then Was he ever a three-point threat? I mean, he started shooting him once he went to New York, but yeah. he was never really a big three-point shooter but um you know they didn't have like a ryan anderson guy who's content to just sit on the three-point line and just shoot eight threes a game um and so having that kind of guy eric gordon's also a great three-point shooter trevor reese is a solid catch and shoot three-point guy patrick beverly solid catch and shoot Corey brewer is kind of streaky but can hit them so having that many guys who are good three-point shooters surrounded surrounding you know an, an incredible pick and roll playmaker and james harden you know, people expected the offense to be really good, and you know, I, I think having Harden in that full-time ball handling, distributing role, and kind of making it the focus of his possessions to try to set up other guys and generate open shots. You know, I think twelve assists a game is actually kind of realistic. But it's- yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna lead the league in assists this season. I mean, I don't see anybody else who can contend with that kind of. Um, volume of assists yeah uh, and you know it seems to be sort of translating to their record they've had a better start this season than they did last season of course i mean last season was was awful for them and that's why they ended up firing, firing kevin mchale uh, but they're five and four right now which you would probably as a rockets fan or just you know anyone who's invested in that uh, organization would would like to see a few more wins maybe a couple of those losses um you know you kind of you kind of wish some of those losses weren't there yeah. i mean but, splitting the two games with the, the spurs you have to be happy about that you know losing mm-hmm. the lakers you know yeah, those kind of losses they kind of have to um they're clean up a little bit yeah and then some of the games where they you know they they barely break 100 you're you're a little disappointed in that because you know with d'antoni as your coach you probably want to see your team scoring a lot of points because he does push the pace a lot though i haven't actually been paying attention that much to their pace i imagine their pace is higher than it was last year Probably. um I mean, considering um, James Harden's assist rate at this point, um, and also considering that, you know, because James Harden was their entire offense last season, and he's one of those guys who likes to dribble a lot and, you know, um, find a good attack at the rim. Um, yeah, I expect their pace to be up, but I haven't actually seen the numbers. But either way. Yeah. Um the Lakers are another team uh, mm-hmm. that have looked better than people expected. Um they have a lot of young players. They have, you know, but mixed in with veteran guys who do what they do pretty well. You have a, you know, good, just solid veteran presence in Luol Deng. Uh, you have Lou Williams and Nick Young who have established careers on being good scorers and, you know, have continued to do what they do. I mean, Nick Young has kind of had a resurgence in 
playing uh, under Luke Walton. And so I think having those guys that are consistently, basically if you're you know distributing those shots that Kobe took last year among guys like, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say that you know Nick Young and Lou Williams are better scorers than Kobe since he has been such a prolific scorer for his whole career. But at last year he was not a good scorer. He was not yeah. efficient at all. And those guys have been, you know, for, for for the kind of guys they are, which is like high volume, you know, heat check score guys, they've they've played really well and been pretty efficient. Yeah, and if Luke Walton has the ability to kind of keep them in check and make sure they continue to play at that kind of uh, with that kind of um, attitude, uh, I think this team could easily, I could easily see them getting close to thirty five wins. I mean, you were saying earlier that they were kind of projected between that twenty five and thirty yeah, win mark. Um, that was probably the high high mark. I think you know, yeah, low to mid twenties was what most people projected. But yeah, in I mean, they're going to have to keep up their level of play. They're going to have to keep their um, enthusiasm up because they are a very young team um right now things things are going pretty well you know they've beat a couple good teams the warriors um uh they beat i mean the pelicans aren't a good team but they beat anthony davis which is nice um yeah you know being six and four at this point in the season i mean they, they have to be happy with that exactly and if they can if they can just make sure when things start going um more expected if they keep their uh keep the you know keep their chin ups and chins up and then i think they could continue to win at a reasonable rate maybe finish the season at 500 yeah no way never mind that'd be 41 wins that'd be crazy yeah uh maybe maybe finish the season you know roughly eight to ten games under 500 maybe yeah and he's not too crazy yeah and you could um the chemistry seems to be there this season i think a lot of people like question marks about that with the whole thing d'angelo russell and nick young thing last season and kobe i think kind of poisoned that well a little bit um but like everybody seems, because you know, really, there's not many that that many guys that are playing around the 30 minute mark. There's just kind of a bunch of guys in that 25 minute range. Um, they really kind of have a platoon where you have you know Russell and Nick Young starting, but you also have Jordan Clarkson and Lou Williams playing significant minutes off the bench. Um, you have Larry Nance coming off the bench and Brandon Ingram. Like, there's a lot of bench players who um, are seeing significant rotation minutes. So it's you know definitely a team effort and so they're not kind of hinging all their um their wins and losses on one or two players which i think is you know played to their benefit because they have you know a kind of a constant stream of energy since they're not playing as guys as many minutes and they have young guys like larry nance and Tarek black coming off the bench that are going to go out there and hustle yeah and so i think having that energy you know for 48 minutes a game has really benefited them, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Well, their bench has been outscoring every team almost almost every night. I mean, their bench has been by far the best part of their entire game. I mean, their starters are doing well. Nick Young being efficient, D'Angelo Russell, you know, living up to his potential a little bit, um, showing some of that star power. And uh, but the fact that yeah, guys like Larry Nance Jr., uh, Tark Black, Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, or is yeah. he starting? Clarkson's Jordan Clark, off the bench. yeah, those those guys who are kind of carrying the bench unit um, are really the reason this team is doing so well and. If that can continue, which probably isn't likely, but if it can continue, uh, yeah. yeah, they could they could end the season uh, in a very good spot, um, and you know their fans will probably be happy for the future, of yeah. a, a possibly bright future, which they haven't had in the last three four years ever since what that that exit in two thousand twelve. Things have been kind of downhill since then. That yeah. that playoff exit in two thousand twelve. Yeah, and I think I, I think their the success of their depth just shows how important that is, even this early in the season having that depth just gives you such a big advantage on a night-to-night basis. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the other teams that have been, you know, not as less successful, especially in the West, um, 
if you look at like the T Wolves, a lot of people expected them to kind of jump into that playoff conversation this year. And you know, Ricky Rubio, Rubio, yeah, Ricky Rubio's injury early in the season definitely kind of hurt that because I think Chris Dunn has kind of shown that he's not quite ready to be an NBA point guard at this point, which you know rookies rarely are. And Tyus Jones, yeah, the point guard spot is you know, the hardest one to. Yeah, Tyus to. Jones coming off you know the bench as a second year guys you know he didn't play a ton last year either so they have a ton of inexperience at point guard when rubio is out although he's back now so maybe things will improve and then you know this the rotation just doesn't look quite as deep um you know they wiggins has played well levine's looked okay towns yeah wiggins good. is shooting the lights out right now in three-pointers though and i think that's gonna that's that's something that's like nice right now but it kind of concerns me because i don't think he's going to continue that i mean historically what he this is his third season his first two seasons he was about league average at, at best i think he was below league average on three-pointers and he, right now he's shooting for the for the season i think he's shooting around 52 percent uh i don't expect that to continue and i think they're gonna have a tough time when those shots stop falling yeah especially because he isn't super efficient with his twos either yeah i think you kind of hope that evens out where rubio coming back kind of improves the rest of the offense maybe some guys like brandon rush you know because brandon rush has started kind of poorly to the season shooting wise maybe he picks it up to you know his career average and so hopefully you, you hope that evens out a little bit but i mean i think they people expected them to make a huge jump just because they had tibs but i mean he it's still his first year with those guys you're still playing a ton of young players yeah and he's he's mostly a defensive coach i mean he's not he's not um incompetent on the x's and o's but most yeah. of his prowess comes from his defense and his entire team is i mean he's probably got one of the youngest teams in the league which and young. nba defense is really tough to drill into young players. Yeah, I mean, it just takes time. You, you rarely see young teams that are elite defensive teams because so much of defense is is just making the right decisions and being in the right position play after play. Like, you know, making good blocks and getting a good steal and, you know, shutting a guy down for a possession. Like, you see rookies show flashes of that yes, stuff. Yeah. But, like, really the what makes a rock-solid NBA defense is having guys who know where to be and play and, and that that's something that you know Tibbs Bulls teams were able to do on you know from season to season because they had guys like Joakim Noah and Taj Gibson, uh, veteran players who knew their role and knew you know where to be in Tibbs' defensive system. And I think that's um, one thing they're kind of missing. It was one thing that they've missed with Kevin Garnett retiring, even though you know he wasn't going to be on the floor a lot. I mean, he was one of the best defensive big man in history. Yeah, I mean, I mean there were his 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 basketball iq when it came to the defensive end of the floor was unparalleled yeah and the fact that like they lost that guy and he's not on the bench kind of you know kind of just instructing the rookies and young guys you know where they need to be and why they need to be in those places while um i don't think it's you know going to be detrimental to their defensive future um you know it certainly could have helped during the season as you know they're implementing that yeah tibbs defense and having a guy so like that's been so successful in the defensive end in his career would have been pretty helpful. Yeah, like his like last season and this, the year before the the games that he played for them, like despite looking pretty washed up and past his prime, um, he their on off numbers defensively with him on the court were significantly better just because that. that yeah, toward the end of the season, I remember there was a video came out or like someone tweeted a, a video of a defensive defensive stop that was all because of. Uh, Kevin Garnett and Kevin Garnett placing himself in the perfect position to make sure that it snuffed out the play. And it was against the Spurs too. Yeah. You know, it wasn't against, you know, one of the poor, deep, poor offenses like the Knicks or, um, you know, the, the Suns or something like that. It was against a very good of offensive team and he was able to snuff out an entire offensive possession 
just and not not even not even being on on ball defending just being in the right place cutting off passing lanes making sure he's going to help when he needs to help and making sure that he stays on his man when he's supposed to be on his man and um that's just one of those things that um you know it's really helpful to have a guy that knows how to do that to teach the young guys when they're trying to get their defensive skills up to snuff for the nba and i think they still need more impact defenders on their team like towns projects to be a, a very good defensive big guy uh gorgie jang is looks to be a, a solid defender for the center position but playing him and towns together defensively you know that may not be a super super successful combo playing you know starter minutes together basically and you know they could use kind of an, an athletic combo for a type guy who can guard multiple positions like uh i think zach levine he's probably got he's got the athletic tools to be that because he's pretty tall for a two guard yeah, um, he's what six seven. He's like six five. Six but, five. Okay, he's, yeah. I mean, he's he's. I guess that makes him about average for a two guard. But I think he's got the length and athleticism to to be that kind of player. But you know, he is yeah. young, and so and Wiggins too. That guy is going to take some time. Yeah, Wiggins too has been a guy that everybody projected from the beginning to be an elite defender and hasn't shown it so far. He's he'll he seems to be kind of lazy on on defense. Yeah, he just I, he he's not as aggressive as he could be. He doesn't he doesn't get a ton of steals. He and while he can be good on playing isolation defense like the a lot of the other parts that make up a good defense um you know he still needs to work on that stuff and i think another big thing is that you know nba defenses are kind of in a weird shift right now um because tibbs kind of revolutionized his system where you know icing a lot of pick and rolls forcing things to the sidelines um overplaying the strong side a lot of stuff that kind of really worked against the offenses that existed you know four or five years ago um, and then everybody kind of adapted that system and is kind of s- switching things around. And so there's just you're right now the NBA is in this weird place to where you're going to play a bunch of different types of offenses and teams on a nightly basis. You could be pay- playing, you know, a spread pick and roll, trying to protect the lob against like a team like the Pistons with Andre Drummond or the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan, or you could be playing against a team that has like a big man who can handle the ball out to the perimeter like an Anthony Davis you know you could be playing against penetrating guards like Russell Westbrook or guys that are pulling up from behind the three-point line like Steph Curry so like there's just so many different variety of offenses and guys you have to game plan for that you know I think it's just really hard to build a defense that will be effective against every single team in the league especially when you don't have those experienced veteran defenders Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, they've had a pretty poor start to the season. I think most people expected them to end up around the high 30 mark in wins. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, they've got time to turn it around, but I think they need to start turning around soon. Um, They haven't had a particularly tough schedule from what I remember. Unfortunately, the NBA app sucks. Yeah, they've lost some. And I can't see their schedule from the past, but from what I remember, their – uh, their schedule wasn't extremely tough, and they've lost, they've only won two games. They've lost every game in their division. They've only won one game in their conference. Um, and it's going to be really tough to make the playoffs in the West. That if they if they if they continue to drop these early games, they're going to have a tough time clawing their way back into the race. Especially since there's just such a such a um, a cluster of teams yeah. in that conversation to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the standings right now, like Clippers, Warriors, Spurs have all looked basically the part where we thought they were warriors haven't been quite as dominant as we do expect but you Mm -hmm. can it's been obvious that they have another gear that when they need it they can play up to a certain level and i mean there's they're going to be a top two seed 
almost certainly. Clippers have looked great. Spurs have looked pretty solid. They're going to just win games by being smarter than everybody else and having guys like Kawhi Leonard to just give you an advantage every night. The Thunder have looked pretty good. Yeah, but um, unfortunately with the Thunder, I think their problem is they're going to have a, a really tough time against the good teams, which they've shown that. I mean, they played the Clippers and they lost um, at home. Uh, it was a close game, which is good, but um, they also lost to uh, who else? They, they lost to the the Warriors, which again, you know, that's a fantastic team. And I can't remember their other loss came came by. But anyway, they've had a they've had a pretty easy schedule so far, only playing. Only three of the three of the games so far in the first part of the season, the first nine games of their season, has have been against um, top ten teams probably, and the other ones have been in the bottom twenty. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that optimistic. I don't see them. I don't see them really in the conversation for the four or five seed. I see them closer to the conversation for the seven or eight seed. But yeah, they're probably one of the teams that's a a lock unless they play themselves out of the playoffs which yeah it's possible the jazz are seven and four and they just got gordon hayward back so gordon hayward has been has been very good since coming back off that uh off that uh um finger injury Uh, apparently he was on a shooting hand and i would i was expecting him to come back and and have a little bit of slow slow start to his offense but um he seems to everything seems to be clicking for him he's playing really well playing efficiently and and scoring on high a pretty a pretty decent volume so yeah and what what helps is just the jazz you know obviously they're very deep they have a lot of guys who can play and you know everybody's playing to the level if not better than what you know you expect to come into the season george hill has been very good for them to start the season rodney hood has been good um rudy gobert has looked good and so I think having all those guys playing to the level that they people thought they were capable of, that really helps them a lot because they have a diversity of threats that they can rely on from night to night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, combine that with what projects to be a pretty good defense, I think they're pretty solidly in that mid-tier of the Western Conference playoff picture. I, th- I, I honestly consider them in the top tier, probably the top four um, yeah. in the Western Conference. Um, just because no other team – like, they're they're one of the few teams in that kind of conversation – that mid-tier conversation where they've just shown consistency night in and night out. Whereas a lot of those teams in the lower parts of it, the Thunder, the Lakers, the um, the Rockets, um, have showed a lot of inconsistency. Um, I mean, the, the the Blazers have been pretty consistent as well, but um, I don't know. I consider them. I, I, I feel like they're, they're a good lock for the yeah. – I mean, not a lock, but I feel like I, I feel confident saying they're going to be a four or five seed this season. Whereas the rest of those teams, I just had no idea how it's going to end up. Yeah, the Blazers have been okay. Like they're they do have depth, which is nice. Um, they don't, you know, other than Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum has been good too. They don't have like a ton of just like super exciting guys who you no. feel like need to be playing thirty plus minutes a night. I feel like there have been, you know, especially the game against the Mavs nobody they didn't really look that great other than Lillard like Lillard shot the lights out and that kind of won them that game but like their defense is just kind of like okay like Mason Plumlee is serviceable but isn't really like an incredible defensive center and none of the other other options are really like super great there either so I think they're going to struggle against the better teams in the league but they have enough depth and they have the star power in Damian Lillard to where they're going to win games against lesser teams just by you know, having depth and, and talent. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of remind me of the, the guy, I kind of put them in the same tier as the Thunder where they've got some really good players in their team. Um, I mean, Damien's more efficient than Russ, which is good. And Damien can actually shoot the three. Whereas Russ, Russ shoots threes. Just not very well. Just not very well. Um, 
but yeah, they're just like well, where the Thunder have depth kind of in the backcourt. Uh, I mean, the front court, um, the or their best players. Yeah, are. they're they've kind of lot, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of strength in their in their front court, whereas the uh, the Blazers have a lot of strength in their in their backcourt. Yeah, and, and you know the Blazers actually have if you compare like the wing depth for the Blazers, yeah, there's also the like and, their forwards like yes. Harkless and Minu, Evan Turner. They have guys that can play there, whereas the Thunder are still kind of trying to figure out who they want to play. They've, they've, got they've been missing that guy ever since they let let Harden go. They've been missing a guy who can play on the wing and shoot. Yeah, ever since that ever since that trade, just Robertson still looks about the same. He shot it uh, pretty well. A yeah, but he ago. had so many games like that last season. Not so many games. He had just like it. it it feels like he feels the same as he did last season where he's yeah. just going to some nights he's going to hit three out of the six of his, of the, of the three point shots he takes. But you know, on, the, on, on most nights, he's probably only going to hit one for five. Yeah. He's, just... he's going to have to take the shot though. And that's, that's, that's their problem is that they can't really give the ball to someone else to take the shot. Cause they, have to, they either have to put someone out there who can't defend or they have to put someone out there that can't shoot. And uh, right now their best option is putting someone out there who can't shoot and hoping that maybe they can teach him to shoot. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of the hope there. I mean, they're at least Oladipo has had some pretty good shooting nights. That helps. Mm-hmm. But he's all. I mean, he's been inconsistent. He's young though, which is nice. So you've got time to kind of uh, develop him. Hopefully, they can they can do that with some of their uh, their shooting coaches. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, the Pelicans have had a very rough start to the season. Yeah, they don't. It's um, just Anthony, Anthony Davis. And what, what sucks is Anthony. It's not Anthony Davis. Like he has been fantastic all season. He's just scoring. At will, he's defending. I mean, he's not defending at the same level he was that second, third year of a season, yeah, but he's, he's defending. Blocking shots all over the yeah, place. he's blocking shots. He's defending well. He's scoring even in double teams. Like they can't stop him, but unfortunately, he don't, they don't have anybody else that can score. And this just seems like it's going to be a lost season just due to injury. Yeah, like I mean, I feel like they probably would have been. I mean, just having Drew Holiday and Tyreek Evans back. I mean, Tyreek Evans probably can't like lift your team up, but he can play a solid 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. And Drew Holiday is going to be better than Tim Frazier. He's going to score more efficiently. He's going to um, – well, his well, his facilitating might not be the same. I mean, Tim Frazier's had a pretty good season so far with his assist rate, but, you know, he also is playing with Anthony Davis. I think he's getting a lot of those those Stockton Malone assists where he just feeds it to the post and he scores. Um, but yeah, it's, I just, it's, just, it's so disappointing because I, I like Anthony Davis so much and he just has – he's never had a good season. And whether it's due to his injury – or um, other injuries on the team, the Pelicans have never been able to field a competitive team for him to play with. Yeah, and it, it's just it's it, just super disappointing. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of the you know Kevin Love Timberwolves teams where like you know they're putting up big numbers, but like it just just not getting any help. There isn't any infrastructure there for them to have a great defensive team. They don't have enough you know smart players on offense that are really moving the ball and creating good shots. So it's just super reliant on one guy to make sure that they score and even if they score 35 40 in a game like the rest of the team just isn't picking it up to to enough of an extent to where they can actually win games yeah and they're just in a town that no one cares like i mean new orleans is, is it's a football town with the saints and it's it's hard to get with they don't have great attendance and the fact that their team's bad is just been a recipe for disaster for them so yeah you know anthony davis he you know, seemed very committed to the team when he signed the five-year extension. But, I mean, they have to put together a something. reasonable team soon yeah. if they want to keep him around. Because, I mean, as, you know, loyal of a guy as he is or could be, you know, he was, I day, think he was fine with losing in his first few years. Yeah. He was like, he, he knew he was on a bad team. He understood how the NBA works. 
your team's bad, you draft the best player, that best player takes you and win, starts winning games for you, but they haven't been able to do it, and he's in his fourth season, and, and I'm sure he's probably already thinking, at some point, I want to win. I want to go to the playoffs. Yeah. I want to win a playoff five, game. I want to win a playoff series. <laughs> I want to make it to the finals. I want to win a ring. Yeah. And um, they haven't been able to do anything while he's been on their roster, and uh, it's kind of do or die for the franchise because if, if they don't do something, they may lose their their star player. Yeah. I mean, no. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's like – I don't think it's a grave situation necessarily. I mean, they, they still have a few years of, left, yeah. but like, and I think things may change once they get Tyreek Evans and especially Drew Holiday back. Things may kind of turn around for them, and things might get better. But <clears throat> they've got to do something to make sure those guys can stay on the floor. I mean, Drew Holiday was kind of like a freak incident. You couldn't have planned for that, but like, yeah. I mean, it just seems like the Pelicans have, Pelicans have just been the opposite of yeah. that Suns training staff from a few years ago where they, they can't they, – no matter what they do, they can't keep their players on the floor. And part of the problem is just like – this doesn't seem like a team that's like one player away. They seem like a team that just is miles away for yes. whatever reason. It's not like they have some they, – they kind of bet on young players improving, guys like Tim Frazier and, and Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway and – um, Terrence Jones. They went in that direction, which a lot of people thought they should have gone in, you know, two two or three years ago instead of like investing a lot of money in guys like Omar Ashik, who are what they are. Um, yeah, I think guys going to be off their payroll next year. Yeah, you know, maybe you hope that some of those guys, you know, over the course of this season and then over the life of their contract, that they improve, and so that maybe that can elevate the team a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's just at the end of the day, if you just have a team that's full of guys that you're hoping get better, like you're not going to win games because you need a team full of people who know how to, how to play. You have to have at least a solid starting lineup. You have to have guys you can rely to come off the bench and play a role. And right now they just like, they don't even know who's going to contribute from night to night other than Anthony Davis. Exactly. I mean, Buddy Heald's a good start. He's, he's some, he's a guy who can hopefully um, develop uh, some consistency, um, get his feet under him when it comes to three point shooting. I mean, he was from, I didn't watch a lot of the OU games, but I, I looked at some of his highlights and what I've heard from him. He, he was very good at pulling up from three or four feet behind the college three point line and scoring. And so, you know, he's got some, uh, he's got a history of being able to hit an NBA three. Um, so hopefully he gets his legs under them there, under him there. And then they can kind of move forward from, from there, I think. Um, but you're right. I think they need to stop gambling on these, young players turning into yeah i mean passable nba starters it's like i mean they've tried the other strategy the years before this and getting you know known quantities in veteran players and that hasn't really worked either because at the end of the day you need multiple star level players if you want to be a you know playoff consistent playoff contending team especially in the western conference and they have one guy but they have yet to find you know the two three four other guys you need to put around that guy that mesh well with that guy to have a successful team and so you know and it seems like for some reason this season they have stopped going to him in crunch time i mean they had lance stevenson on their team and that guy's a black hole so i mean there's only so much you can do with him um but still i mean there have been several games where i was watching where i mean in Mid mid fourth quarter, you know, there it's a tight game, and Anthony Davis doesn't get a shot for four minutes. Like, what are you doing? Why are you not giving him the ball? I mean, yeah. that's that's the whole point of having Anthony Davis on your team is because he can score, and it seems like you trust him in those first three quarters. But as soon as he gets to crunch time, I don't know if it's a, the coaches or if it's the players, but the ball doesn't seem to find Anthony Davis on a on a consistent enough basis, and uh, I think that's also an issue. But. Um, Anyway, enough depressing talk about the Pelicans. 
Um, anything else going on? The Warriors have kind of, you know, they had a couple shaky games, but they're yeah. showing that they are still the Warriors. They're, they're good. still going to be the best team in the league. Yeah, there's so, not really much to see there right now. Yeah. It's like, you know, they show flashes of just ripping teams apart, which is what you expected. But there's going to be some nights to where they kind of take the pedal off the the foot off the gas a little bit. So I mean, I guess we should probably talk about the East a little bit. Um, talk about the Sixers. Um, they finally won their game. They finally won one game. They uh, they are at least a watchable team this year. Well, Joel Embiid is the the entire reason they're watchable. I mean, and also they're, they're putting some solid veteran players around them. You know, Gerald Henderson. They brought in uh, Sergio Hernandez. Is that him? Sergio Rodriguez. Sergio Rodriguez. Um, I think I was thinking of the the guy that was on the Lakers last season. Um, there Hernandez. Marcelo Huerta is probably who you're thinking of. Yeah, him. I can't think of. I can't remember any of these. Like, his yeah, Sergio's been playing in Spain uh, for the past few years, and so he's he finally came back over. But they basically took you know a undrafted uh, guy who you know didn't even make teams didn't even think to draft in in TJ McConnell and made him their starting point guard last year and replaced him with a veteran guy who's been one of the best players in Europe uh, in the past few years. So. Though T.J. McConnell had a pretty solid season last year. I mean, he, he was on the worst team ever. He looked like an NBA player, which yeah. people didn't think he was before um, the season started. But he also didn't look like an NBA starting point guard. No, and no. But you could, you could, you could. I mean, he seems like a guy you could pay, you know, Kyle Singler money for. Yeah. Uh, uh, to come off the bench, he projects play. to be a good backup yeah. over the course of his career. But just put it, throwing that guy out his rookie season to be your starting point guard—that's just like saying I want to lose games. <laughs> yeah. Um, which they weren't very shy about saying that anyway. No. But anyway. Um, I mean, I think I think um, Joel Embiid's going to run away with the Rookie of the Year race. I mean, he's he's scoring, he's playing well, he's being super efficient about everything he does. I mean, the guy is as long as he can stay on the court and he doesn't become the next Greg Oden, um, dude's going to be a star. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks good. He makes them watchable. He, I found out he was resting last night and then switched away to another game, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, last I saw, the last game he played, he scored 25 points on, in 25 minutes. Um, yeah. And that's about as efficient as, efficient as you can get. Um, so, um, good trade, news for Sixers fans. Yeah, trading for Sonny Lysova, you know, gives them a guy who can play, you know, make smart NBA yeah. plays. Which... No, he's, he, got, um, he got the worst of it when they were playing uh, the Hawks, I think. Yeah, yeah. last night. Uh, he, got, he got dunked on twice. Uh, once by uh, put back dunk from Dwight Howard, and then another time Kent Bazemore postered him up. So, um, guys had a rough few years, just bounced around what, like yeah. six teams now, and then getting posterized by a mediocre East team. Yeah. But, I mean, he's kind of the exact opposite of Jeremy Grant. <laughs> he's instead, he's a good, solid shooter instead of a horrible one who makes good, unexciting basketball plays rather than a guy who you know tries to dunk it every time and occasionally dunks on kevin durant stares him down and then gets ass dunked on on the other side of the court yeah or just tries to dunk it and then gets like an offensive foul called him <laughs> or tries to block it and goaltends it like yeah yeah i mean they and they need more of those guys <laughs> like as as much as hinky i mean i, I hinky was fine like I, I didn't mind his game plan as much some some other people will disagree with me um, making a team so unwatchable and, and winning so few games is against the uh, spirit of the NBA. But, you know, he took uh, something about the NBA structure and he exploited it, and I don't see anything necessarily wrong with that. But it's it's nice to see a trend toward, okay, we have our assets. Let's start winning. Let's see what we can do with our assets to put 
um, solid players in the floor and start making a team who can contend. Yeah, it's making just, a competitive team. Like I, I think this year has proved that like they probably didn't have to go to the extreme extent that they did the past couple of years to still lose games. Like Sergio Rodriguez, I think, is making a lot of their players better and helping the development of their own players by being a good veteran guy who knows how to play. But they're still what one in seven. One and eight. One and eight. Yeah. So they're like they're still a bad team. They're competitive from night to night. They, you know, you see improvement from some of their players, but you know, and they they happen to get really. I mean, you don't have to field all sub NBA level talent to, yeah, to lose, lose games. games. <laughs> yeah, um, and they kind of like. I mean, it, every time they got that first pick, they ended up having to draft a big guy, which probably wasn't what they were what they were wanting to do, but it's what they ended up doing, and that draft. Um, strategy that's probably the part of their whole overall strategy that Hinky um, created that I wasn't a big fan of is that they just drafted the quote best player on the board yeah um, to try and gather assets but at the end of the day like you need to start gathering well round or like a, you, you have to gather. piece your team together exactly yeah. I mean if you if you draft nothing but fours and fives four years in a row you're gonna have a, a too many fours and fives yeah and, and I, only and you, there's no guarantee that everyone ends up every one of those guys ends up being great and also when you have such a um uh, log jam at that position you can't get you can't get their guys their minutes yeah and therefore it's going to take longer for them to develop and so yeah i mean uh, i think the hardest one was like last the the, the 2015 draft just because, so like, yeah, because, like, they were, they got, like, kind of the worst possible spot to be in for them, at least. Like, Okafor is a, you know, looks to be a pretty good NBA player, but, like, if they had just been in that two spot, they could have gotten D'Angelo Russell, who would have made a lot more oh, sense yeah. with the other guys they had. And then, even if, like, I don't know, like, they kind of they kind of ran into some bad luck with If you look at the guys below him, it's like, it's like, who should have they taken? Like, I guess Porzingis would have been a better fit, maybe. Um, and then, like, Devin Booker, you know, Devin Booker now looks like he would be yeah, a better exactly. fit for them, but, like, right. no one knew he was going to be that good. Yeah, but they could have gone for a guard. They could have gotten, they I mean, could have gone for a Moutier. But, like, or, even Moutier has looked, he's been pretty inconsistent. Yeah, I don't know if he would have made them better. better. But I don't know. Like, it's, at some point, you have to realize that you have too many bigs and you need to figure out a way to. Uh, I mean, I'm not a GM. I don't really know what I'm doing. It's, but yeah, like, you do your best, but you know, I don't know, it would have been. It probably would have worked out better for them if they had tried to after they drafted um, Embiid, Noel, back to back, try and figure out a way to, or not figure out a way, to, but but look for maybe you know a guard or a small forward or something. Yeah. But I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, um, there's and, no way no there's no way they could have known Devin Booker was going to be as good as yeah. he is. And and their strategies to some extent with that was to try to get like young athletic wing type players and like develop them to the point where they became NBA rotation players, which you know, they've hit and miss with that. Jeremy Grant, I mean, has showed flashes of that but was never really consistent enough for them to trust him with a rotation spot. He played a lot last season and just, you know, wasn't consistent enough to look like he should be a part of their future, so they traded him. Um, Robert Covington looks like a success with that. They took him, you know, out of the D League, and has he's looked like a good NBA player so far. So, you know, they've had, you know, inconsistent success with that. But again, Hinky's whole goal is to get that superstar level player that can change a franchise, and Embiid could be that guy, and Ben Simmons could be that guy. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, um, I mean, Ben Simmons, I feel better about than Okafor and. Um, you know, Noel. Though Noel, I don't blame them for drafting yeah. Noel at all because, like, I mean, there's no way. That was a bad draft, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, he was he was fine for that pick. And but I think they've got to find a way to move either Okafor or Noel, whoever ends up being. Um, I would move 
Okafor, but really, you know, it's like it's. I mean, I think you Noel is probably the first on their list to move just because he's going to be a free agent, and they're not interested in giving him a lot of money. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, and he seems unhappy there, so I think he would be the first on their list. But they obviously want to get some sort of asset for him. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think there's got to be a market for him, but most of the teams, it, there's kind of a weird place to where there's a lot of teams that have big guys, and the teams that could use him don't necessarily need him now or something. yeah or don't necessarily have like the right mix of assets that the Sixers would want like he would be a good fit for like the Warriors since they need so much they, they could use a rim athletic rim protector guy but like what can they offer I mean Patrick McConn a first rounder would maybe work if yeah. that's something the Sixers are interested in but you know I don't know if the Warriors want to have another guy that they have to pay next summer since they're already going to have to like figure out the cap gymnastics of resigning both Curry and Durant so right <laughs> who knows all right well you got any hot takes before we uh sign off um all right i've got a hot take the lakers are gonna make the make the eighth seed eighth seed the lakers are gonna be eighth seed i mean that's probably not that hot um i guess my hot take is that i think the hornets are legit as a top three team in the east which is what they've played at so far all right um they basically brought everybody back they had last year that was in I think Jeremy Lin them. was a pretty big loss for them because he's he's a starting level point guard that was their backup. Yeah, but I mean they've managed to get enough production out of yeah. like Ramon Sessions and other guys to, which is a pr- pretty big surprise considering how poorly he played last season on the Wizards. Yeah, but they just have their just when they have Michael Kidd Gilchrist like combined with the other guys, their defense is just so good. And then Kimball Walker has continued to be great this year, and Nick Batum is such a great fit there. And then they just have they have a bunch of just solid guys who know to, know how to play, who just play really well together and like being there together. Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, all those guys just mesh well. And so, I think that they're that just is the recipe for a team that's going to be able to win consistently over the course of the season. Okay. Well, I think the so I mean I think the Lakers are going to my hot take is the Lakers going to they're going to make the eighth seed, uh, and they're going to win two games against the Clippers in the one seed. I think the Clippers are going to be the one seed. I mean. <laughs> They're on pace. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're in, they're in first right now. They've only, they only lost one game, but I don't know how that, I don't know how hot that is. The the Clippers pick is probably a little. The Lakers making the, the Lakers playoffs pick. is is pretty. I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel like both of those are pretty hot. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, I think the Clippers getting the one seed is realistic if the Warriors you know just t- decide to back off. Yeah, and also it's going to depend on how like if the Clippers if the, you know the Warriors you know lose a game or here and the Clippers just stay hot and and only lose like you know twenty games and end up with sixty two wins like. Maybe you can see the the Warriors just saying like whatever, let's just back off and let's just you know cruise through the playoffs. Well, not cruise, I means the West, but you know they gear, can up, gear, gear up for the playoffs and, yeah. and you know crush it. Then they so. can give seventy five percent effort and still be a top two seed. Exactly. All right, well that's it for today. Um, um, you know, if you have a chance and you're listening on iTunes, we'd love if you give us give us a review, um, five stars, please. But be honest, you know, we like constructive criticism. Yeah, uh, don't be a dick. Be honest and then give us five stars. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you can follow us at, at BasketboysPod on Twitter. Um, Daniel's at KnoxJet. I'm at Andy Hoyler, I think. I'm going to change that. I'm going to be a fan of that. But whatever. Do what you do. Um, yeah, so thanks. Tune in next week. Um, maybe we'll do some, start doing some segments. You'll figure some out. Segments, but anyway, 